0: to sansung scripted formerly known as three Horns.
1: each episode is available to view on YouTube so be sure to check us out
2: you can also find us on Facebook
0: Instagram and Twitter thanks for listening and enjoy the show all right everyone we are back with Nick and we are talking about pornography so if you missed the first part of this video you can watch that first we'd recommend watching that first because it is Nick's experience it. yeah. it's awesome so, Click that. It was uploaded today, so you should see them both together. Um, But for this part of this episode, we are going to be answering some questions about pornography submitted from you. We posed this question on our Instagram, so if you haven't followed us there yet, you should, because then you can be involved in stuff like this. But we asked you guys what questions you have about pornography, and Nick is going to answer them for Mm -hmm. us. Yeah.
2: So we're going to
0: start... Um, With some of these questions. So we're just going to read these that you all asked. So someone asked, if you are dating, engaged, or married, how does your significant other stay strong? My husband struggles with pornography, and I have always supported him and loved him, but it's hard sometimes. Any suggestions on how to continue to stay strong and what we can do to help our loved ones feel loved and safe? Thanks.
2: Awesome. Good question. Um, Some of these about we'll call them loved ones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the the people who are affected by addiction, and I'm going to use the term addiction throughout this. You can call it frequent use, you can mm-hmm. call it whatever you want, but people that want to stop and want to stay stopped but haven't been able to, right? So let me start by just acknowledging a truth. Um, in the addict brain... Um, there's a really, really common lie, and it's this. This isn't hurting anybody, right? This this only affects me, and it barely affects me. And it's a big lie. Um, and and once somebody knows, and once a loved one is aware, then you get into a new phase where it's like, okay, now what do we do? Um, I reached out to a handful of people who I love and admire. Um, who have, who are loved ones of addicts, and who have worked their own process and program of healing, right? Because everybody that's involved in this in one way or another needs some kind of healing. And I said, I I, I shared these questions with them, and I said, I would love your insight. Um, And the common response, the common theme from all their responses is two parts. One. You can't fix your loved one. You can't do it. Um, There are lots of ways to react to it. There's there's trying to control and saying, I need you to check in with me every five minutes and make sure you haven't relapsed. Or there's the withdrawal and it's just like, you know what, that's your problem. Just, I don't want anything to do with it. I don't want to... And there's the even further withdrawal, like, I'm done with you altogether and I want to sever this relationship. Um... And then there's something different. There's there's turning to God and letting God take care of your loved one. right? If you really come down to the point where you say, God loves me, he loves everybody, and everybody includes my addict that I love and care for. God has the power to heal that person, and God has the power to give the loved one the patience and the healing that they need Um, to stay in that relationship if they choose to stay in it and to get their own healthy perspectives and their own healing. So the second aspect is boundaries. Boundaries are not, first of all, it's not a set of rules that say, if you do this thing, I'm going to punish you with a motive to keep the person in line. Mm -hmm. It's not that at all. Um, Boundaries are letting you as the loved one acknowledge that you're important, that your needs are vital and should be met and to say i have these needs you're messing up relapses slipping whatever you want to call it it's not okay right i set the expectation that it is not okay and in order for you to feel safe right because a big part of loving an addict is at times feeling unsafe um, with their behavior or their decisions or their thinking or their perspectives and so you can say in order to feel safe, this is what I need for myself. It's never to control the other person, it's here's what I need. So, turning it over to God and setting clear boundaries are about the two best things, two most helpful things for a loved one to use. Uh, What
1: do you say to someone when they reveal they have a porn addiction?
2: What do I say? I say, me too! (laughs) (laughs) I mean, That's the point where I'm at, where I say, hey, welcome to the club, right? Um, if they said that to me five years ago, before I started my recovery journey, I would say, oh, um, sorry to hear that, uh, must be rough and then kept it at that, right? Um, so I guess it depends on where you're at, um, what the addict, for the addict's part, what he needs to hear or she needs to hear when she says, I struggle, I have this addiction, um, always love, always love. And acceptance the ability for someone to see the person as that person as a child of god with a fixed and immo- immovable worth despite accomplishments or failures that that value never goes away and the ability to i think that's what charity is yeah. right yeah. from an lbs perspective i think that is charity to be able to see someone the way that god sees them and say You are you, and you are lovable, and you are valuable, and I'm sorry that you're struggling, and I bet it hurts, right? And I'm here for you, and you can't do anything that will make you unlovable in my eyes. Something like that, pick your words, but that concept of just saying, I will not reject you, is the most valuable thing you can tell them or convey to them because that is the fear inside, is if I tell somebody they will reject me, and when they finally get the guts to say it, don't reject them. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the last thing that they want. And they trusted you a lot with something. Yeah. They right. trust you with the very self. So. That is a sacred trust to hear somebody's innermost struggles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Um, so we assume this is from someone who's currently struggling with this, but when is the appropriate time to speak with the bishop?
2: Hmm. I want to, I'm going to take kind of a roundabout way to answer that because I think there's a fundamental. If people see the bishop experience the way I saw it for so long, um, then they're afraid of it, and it kind of stinks. And it's like a big thing like, I don't want to do that until I like get so bent out of shape and bad that there's just no other alternative, mm-hmm. right? I Man, that's such a missed opportunity, and that's what I see it as now, is an opportunity to take somebody who has a mantle, Of priesthood keys and who has a whole bunch of charity in his heart Um, and there's no shortage of people that are already talking to the bishops all over the world specifically about pornography Um, so you won't be the first one to tell him about it Um, he won't be shocked Um, but just treat it like an opportunity to say this hurts and I'm carrying this around and I don't want it to hurt anymore and I want to get past this Even if it's, like, even if it's little, right? Little, that's what we do. We call it little and say, well, it's just so small. The bishop, I don't want to burden the bishop. Or, you know, this doesn't cross the line of some imaginary line of, like, talk to the bishop. Don't talk to the bishop. Just talk to him. Like, there's no better satisfaction than to wonder and to get everything off your chest and have him love you and accept you and say, I'm super glad you talked to me. Let him be the judge of what you need to talk about. So, I guess my, my short answer is just talk to him. Like, he won't reject you and you're not wasting his time. Just go talk to him. Um,
1: I'm struggling. How do I realistically beat the temptations? Reading scripture doesn't work for me because I feel too guilty.
2: Mm. Okay. So, reading scriptures used to be one of the things that I thought would be the magic key, right? Um, a lot of general authorities talk about the power of the Book of Mormon, even in the context of addiction. And I believe it, and it is very true. I've experienced it myself. The thing, though, is that it is vital, but by itself insufficient, right? Reading the Book of Mormon has no magical power to heal an addiction or keep you from addictive behaviors. What it does do is it speaks of Christ, And it teaches true principles about Christ and his gospel that put my mind and my heart in a certain perspective and mindset that say, I want to draw close to Christ, right? I love this guy that I'm reading about, and I want to get closer to him. And when I open myself up to that mindset, then I'm open to a different way to see acting out or reaching out and talking to people about it, right? And that's the power of the Book of Mormon and the scriptures to keep us free from or heal us from addiction. It, it heals that mindset and moves us into the other actions that combined with scriptures lead to healing and true freedom from, uh, from addiction.
0: So this next question says, what can young women or women do or not do to support young men or men in their recovery?
2: Hmm. It's a good question, and it comes with a really normal common bias, right? It says, what can females do to help men? Um, and I kind of want to take the lid off of that that bias and just say, um, for all the women out there who struggle, all my sisters out there, it's, it's not gender-specific. Right. It's common for men. It's very common for men. Um, but there's no shortage of females who struggle as well. So we, let's rephrase the question and say, what can people do to help people yeah. in their recovery, right? Um it really comes down to love, acceptance, seeing people as people instead of as addicts. Um I I used to think of it was really hard for me to, to, to wear the label of addict mm-hmm. for the longest time because I, I had this image of an addict that was like this guy in the gutter, dirty clothes, you know, wetting himself, can't keep a job, can't keep his family. And when I, when I used that as a pattern, I looked at myself and say, well, I'm none of those things, therefore. I'm not an addict. So um, I, it's just being able to see the people for who they are, love and accept the person for who they are, and um, show that support through word action and, and demonstrate that love.
1: How have you seen your relationship with others change while participating in porn? How have you seen your relationship with others change after recovering or going through the recovery
2: process from porn? This is, I love this question because... <laughs> I don't get phrasing participating in porn. Like, you weren't a porn star. Like, well, it's not like... I, I wasn't. But the truth is, some sons and daughters are. Yeah. And have been, right?
1: It's true. Um, I have a good friend of mine was an ex-porn star. Wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah,
2: they're real people, and they have real fears and hopes, just like all of us. And actually, when you humanize the people in pornography... Um, kind of takes the the draw out of it a little bit, but anyway. Um, I love this question because it's all about relationships. Um, I mentioned in my story that I was so afraid of being rejected, and so I stayed in isolation. A lot of people say the, people think the opposite of addiction is abstinence, right? But the true opposite of addiction really is connection, connection with others. Um, because addiction thrives in isolation. Keeping it a secret, not sharing it, trying to fix it on our own is where it thrives. Um, and so my relationships with others while using um, was broken. It was, it was unfulfilling. It was, I was cranky. I was um, selfish and always expecting other people to change in order for me to be happy. Right? That was my addict perspective of saying ah, I'm, I'm, I'm discontented and if you guys would just do things this way or be this way then I could be happy or if traffic could be this way or if life could be this way I could be happy if circumstances would change and that's really really common uh, for addict thinking. So emerging from that fog and working a program of recovery My relationships are absolutely fulfilling in a way that I couldn't imagine. Um, the, The opportunity to reach out to someone, like a spouse especially, but like parents, siblings, significant others, and say, here's my soul, right? Choosing to be vulnerable and open up and say, this is me. Accomplishments, failures, everything, struggles, this is me, this is who I am. And to have them not reject you, but instead even go far beyond and love you and accept you and stick with you and support you is one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever experienced in life. Um, And I'll tell you, like, especially in the context of pornography and sex and masturbation, there is no comparison um, between disconnected, selfish sex and fulfilling, connected, all-in, all-committed sex. It is amazing, and it is something that, while participating in pornography, just isn't available. Um, but I've come through on the other side, and I can't—I can't say enough good about it.
0: A close friend of mine asked me if they need to go to their bishop about their struggles with pornography, even though they've overcome it. I told them they still did, but they asked why, and I honestly don't know.
2: Yeah, this is good too, and it kind of goes back to the other bishop question, where I just choose to see it as an opportunity now. Yeah. I, this is the way I see sin now, even going beyond whether I should talk to the bishop. I used to see it as, like, I read the scriptures through lenses of shame right? And it's like, you see the word wicked, you see the word bad, you see the word evil, right? And you're like, ugh, I've made poor choices, that's me, right? I'm wicked, bad, and evil. I think the only difference between a a wicked person in the Book of Mormon and a righteous person is their willingness to repent and change. Um, And so... What I the way I see sin now is just a missed opportunity to grow into what God wanted me me to be in that moment, right? When I go and say instead of, instead of like oh just forgive me just one more time I know I've used up all my repentance tokens you know and like I've just been mm-hmm. so bad, um instead of yeah just just this one more time just please forgive me instead just say hey Dad Father I recognize I can see this moment when I missed an opportunity to to be or feel or act or speak the way you wanted me to so that I could grow into what you sent me here to be right I regret that missed opportunity thank you for showing it to me help me the next time I have that opportunity I'm willing to do it please give me grace and power to do that next time That changes the way I see sin, and then that therefore changes the way I treat my bishop and see him, right? Instead of saying, I'm scared, and I'm not quite, it's not so bad that I need to go see him. It's just like, I just want to counsel with this really, really loving man with priesthood keys. And it's it's never, that experience has never let me down.
1: I don't understand if you're married, why do you need pornography? Not that they are the same, but the ending would be the same, right?
2: So, I assume they're talking about orgasm, um, which, yes, is the ending uh, typically. But I kind of guess—I guess that kind of goes back to the way I described fulfilling, connected sexual relationships. Um, there's a there's a term that used to be really common for masturbation. It was self abuse, right? And I really love words. I like, I like what words mean, and it's really important to me. So if I look at the word abuse, I look at the root, and it's abuse, right? And ab is like contrary or against, right? So it's using something the wrong way, right? That's what abuse really means. It's like there's a thing, and you can use it certain ways, but if you use it these ways, it's wrong. So sex and sexual climax and everything that goes with it um, can be abused, right? It was never meant for me to do selfishly. God did not create it for that, and when I'm doing that, I'm harming myself, I'm harming my relationship to God, to other people, and I'm missing out on opportunities to grow into what He would have me be, right, like we just talked about. So it's not about climax, it's about deep, fulfilling connection in relationship, and masturbation will never get you there, Um, and being open and vulnerable and honest with your spouse is the only way to get there, in my experience.
1: Uh, and that, that actually reminds me, um, in high school, one of our faculty teachers had cancer, and um, we decided, we threw this big uh, event for him where we raised a bunch of money, and it was called Winning for Whitaker." and we all had these bracelets that said, no one fights alone. And that might be the only little thing I've kept from high school. Um, I never really got a yearbook, I don't really hold them to shirts, but I still have this blue bracelet with me in my apartment that says, no one fights alone, because... I find that it applies to so many things. It applies to depression. Um, It applies to self harm. It uh, applies to (laughs) pornography. Um, No one's ever alone in a battle. And um, even though some of the the circumstances of the situation may be different, ultimately I think we can all empathize and understand and be human with one another and see that we really are all in this together and that that, that Christ's atonement um, takes you away from being. When just wicked or bad, you're not wicked, you're a child of God. Because of Jesus Christ, you are no longer defined by your sins, even if they've been with you until the day before you die. That's what I would say. Absolutely.
0: So if you're struggling or you know someone who's struggling, just know my heart is so full and we love you so much. Regardless of what you struggle with, if it's pornography, if it's some other... Addictive behavior. Just know we love you and God loves you and You can get through it if you if you turn to him and if you turn to Christ This is why we have the atonement everyone Goes through things in their life that you know, they're not proud of but I just my biggest hope for all of you is that you Don't lose that self-worth and just know that you have divine potential and you've never gone too far that Christ will turn you away
2: Is a big thing that I learned about the difference between guilt and shame. And spiritually, guilt is like putting my hand on a hot stove, right? It's that pain that I feel that says, ah, something's wrong, I should stop doing that thing, right? Mm -hmm. Shame says, um, you're a terrible person, and look, you've done this thing, and that's just one more piece of evidence that you're a terrible person, right? I can do a bad thing, and being shame-centered will say, Look how bad you are because you've done this thing. Instead of just being guilt, letting guilt do its thing, it's God-given thing and saying, this isn't right, and this hurts on purpose. You need to address it. So learning to heal that shame comes from being honest and vulnerable and just opening up. It really starts to dry up, and you start to see things in a new way.
0: Thank you so much. You're yeah. welcome. Thanks, Thank Nick. Nick, pleasure. in the comments. Honestly, I'm so grateful that we had you here and just shared everything you shared today. Yeah. Hopefully that helped. If you have any other questions, obviously you can feel free to reach out to us. We didn't get to all of your questions, um, but... Yeah, just reach out to us.
2: I am happy to like if, if they want to comment on and ask a question, I will if they leave a way to for con- me to contact them, I will reach out to anybody who has questions wants oh, really? to talk. Yeah. Thank
0: you so much for watching this special two-part. Have we ever done a two-part two-parter yeah, before? Yeah,
2: Have yeah. we? Uh, not that. Far. This is the best
1: yes, two-parter we've so ever had.
0: But um
1: follow us on Instagram, <laughs> Facebook and Twitter. Oh, I love you guys.
0: Oh, fuck. Like, poor me. Me. <laughs> I know for <poor> me. <laughs>
1: I want to deal with wait, No, I'm just The God. other impression You did of me Everyone was like That impression was hot My <laughs> voice is like Kind of gone A little bit did I was it? sick all last week oh, I was going to so. ask you To play over right. my <laughs> You bet I did I did oh, go to the right. I saw this Friday. video Of your dance. Dir- 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 cut, cut, cut <laughs> Thanks for listening If you want to watch our
2: videos Check us out on YouTube Or shoot us a message On Facebook, Instagram Or Twitter